0: Let's see. So, Psalm 14, we're going to read. Uh, If I get some more messages, I'll read those as they come in. Um, So, Psalm 14, we're going to read that and think about it together. Uh, And it's a song. It's for the director of music. So, David, sitting at his desk, he writes this psalm. He writes these words and, uh, and calls a servant and says, take this off down to Uh, Well, I don't know. What what would be a good name for a director of music? Uh, uh, Sebastian or something. Uh, The director of music. Go and put these words to a tune so that we can all sing it together. Uh, And that's what happens. But um, we're going to read it, uh, and here's how it goes. So, for the director of music, written by David, and it goes like this The fool says in his heart, There is no God, they are corrupt their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord, there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice, and Israel be glad. And that's the end of the psalm, just a short one. Uh, And let me start with a question as we think about this together. Let me start with a question. Who is the biggest fool you know? You guys are being very, well, I see someone in the front row pointing, but everybody else in the room is, is like, I'm not looking to my relative's. (laughs) Who's the biggest Egypt? you know? Uh, Well, You might think of the the quality control officer sacked from the M&M factory for putting all the W's in the bin, when really they're just upside-down M's. Okay, look, that one's made up, but this is a real one. This really happened. The night porter who adjusted the hotel's automatic wake-up call system, so someone has to get up, go to a meeting, they get an automatic phone call in the morning from the hotel. And he adjusted that at the end of October, I think, and instead of putting the wake-up system back with the clocks, he put it forward, which meant that everyone who wanted a wake-up got woken up two hours early. And some of the guests didn't find out until they came down for breakfast and the restaurant was still closed and all the lights were out in the hotel downstairs. A bit of a disaster, that one. Or how about this? At a previous church, a few of us uh, felt pretty foolish when we took delivery of some online grocery shopping for a week's holiday kids' club. Uh, We we put in the order. We we received it. It came in a big Tesco lorry. Other supermarkets were available. Uh, and, And there we'd ordered, I think it was seven bunches of grapes, or so we thought. But what actually came was a little jiffy bag with seven grapes. Not bunches, but just seven individual grapes. How the function exists to allow you to buy seven grapes, I don't know. But that's what came, and we felt a bit silly, and we don't really know to this day uh, how that happened. Uh, There are lots of quotations, of course, about uh, fools, and and, and a really good one, perhaps, is this. A man may be a fool and not know it, but not if he's married. Uh, I think there's something for husbands and wives in that one. A man may be a fool and not know it, but not if he's married. Uh, Well, prompted by Psalm 14, of course, we're talking this morning about the fool. Uh, And here in Psalm 14, the fool is someone who, uh, verse 1, says in his heart that there is no God. Uh, So that's where we're going to start. That's our first lesson for this morning. Um, A fool thinks there's no God. A fool thinks there's no God. Look at verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. So the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And one of the things you have to learn uh, if you're growing up in a Christian family uh, is that when you step out of Sunday school and into the wider world, you find out there are lots of people who don't think about God the same way we do, and lots and lots of people who say they don't believe in Him at all. But is it a bit rude to call those people fools? After all, some people who don't believe in God are very clever or very rich or very successful or very serious. They're not silly people, are they? Well, when the Bible talks about a fool, especially in Proverbs, uh, it's not so much questioning someone's brains, uh, it's questioning the way they use their brains. Uh, In the Bible, so it talks about uh, the fool says in his heart, Well, in the Bible, your heart is the center of who you are. It's about what you want. It's about what you think about. It's about what you know. That's all your heart in Bible speak. Um, It's a bit like your control center. It's a bit like uh, the cockpit if you were a plane. That's what your heart would be. It would be the control room. So, the heart includes what you want and what you think and what you know. It's you. It's you. And the Bible says that what's going on inside the heart of a fool is a little conversation. And one part of the fool says, "I want to do this, and I want to live whatever way I want." And another part says, nah, "I don't know. What about God? Or what about uh, you know? What about this doesn't feel right?" And the fool decides, "Forget God. He doesn't matter. He's getting in my way. I want to do what I want." So, the fool is someone who lets what they want uh, beat and win against what they know. So, instead of going with what they know to be true, they choose what they want to be true. Uh, Romans 1 says that we've no excuse for believing that God isn't there because He's made Himself known and plain. He's given us the evidence of creation around us and conscience inside us. Creation and conscience. And some people say that's not enough evidence but God says that it is. And lack of evidence isn't really the problem. We see that through the Bible. So, imagine uh, the best example maybe is the religious leaders who saw Jesus' miracles and even knew that He had risen from the dead, but they still didn't follow Him. Imagine knowing that someone had risen from the dead and still not following them. Uh, that's, the problem is they're choosing what they want to be true and what they want to do. Not what they know and not what they can see, and that's why the second part of verse one jumps straight away to what the fool is doing. He's corrupt. He's vile deeds, uh, doing no good. And so, in the Bible, the fool is not someone who's uh, stupid or silly, uh, but someone who's determined to make the wrong choice about God because gets in the way. God gets in the way of what they want to do. Uh, we can even be Uh, religious on the outside. We can be churchy people and still say in our hearts that there is no God. I don't think many people in King David's day would have said out loud, there's no such thing as God. I don't think many of them would have thought that. Even the nations around Israel had made up gods. Everyone was religious. Everyone had gods. But even if we don't say that there's no God, we can still live like there's no God. We can still live like God doesn't matter. God doesn't make a difference. I can come to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week I just do whatever I want and don't think about him. So you can look churchy, but not, uh, not just live like God doesn't matter. And if that's starting to sound a little bit close to home, like it could be about us when it sounded like this was going to be about other people, <laughs> Well, that's no mistake. David says, in fact, there's no one who does good. And that's the next idea in this psalm. Uh, so, verses 2 and 3 tell us that there's a fool in all of us. Uh, so, what was the first thing? A fool thinks there's no God. Well, verses 2 and 3, there's a fool in all of us. We're all a bit of an Egypt when it comes to God. So, read verses 2 and 3 with me. Verses 2 and 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God, all have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There's no one who does good, not even one. Do you remember what it's like to fly off in an airplane? Anybody remember those times? Uh, I love the window seat. I love the aisle seat because I like to stretch my legs, but then I usually get my toes run over by the trolley at some stage. I, I remember, I think it was the, might have been the last flight we took, I remember uh, sitting in the aisle seat, A trolley came along, bashed me on the knee. I had just got to sleep. It's just after takeoff. I just got to sleep. Bashed me on the knee. I was awake the rest of the flight. Disaster. Uh, well, if that's your biggest problem, I suppose it's not too bad. But I also love the window seat. I love to look out and see the world below mountains, lakes, seas. Sometimes you see little boats going along on the ocean with just a little bit of white going behind them. Sometimes you see other aeroplanes passing underneath and you think, ooh, I wonder how far away that is. Hopefully, far enough. Sometimes there are amazing things to see out of the airplane. So uh, I've never flown over Dubai, but in Dubai, just off the coast in the sea, they've built man-made islands. And they've built them into shapes and patterns. So there's patterns of islands like a huge palm tree. Or there's another set of islands um, that's shaped like the map of the world. Don't think it's done wonders for the ecosystem, but uh, you can see it anyway. Or um, there's the tulip fields in Holland, in the Netherlands. So they grow thousands and thousands of tulips of bright, bright colors. And if you fly over the Netherlands, apparently... Uh, there, you can look down, and it looks like this multicolored patchwork carpet. You know, one field is bright red. One field is bright yellow. Another field is stripes of purples and blues and all sorts. You could look it up later uh, when you get home, um, those tulip fields. Uh, but it's interesting to look down from above. And the picture here in verses 2 and 3 is of God peering down from the air, looking down on all humanity, searching for someone who's good, anyone who hasn't turned away for him, anyone who's looking for him in return, but verse 3, all have turned aside. Everyone has looked away from him. Everyone is living like there's no God, just doing whatever they want to do, and lots of what they're doing is very bad. And as David writes this, he probably started with Gentile nations in mind, so people who weren't God's people, people who were enemies of God and enemies of God's people, But it it seems like we have to include everybody here. There's no one good. And Paul uses this psalm in Romans 3 and says exactly that. Gentiles, people who are, you know, really obviously far away from God, and the people who are called God's people. There's no one good, not even one. Maybe you think you are good, and you're annoyed that God might think you're not, but that's because we're looking at it from the ground, uh, from uh, from our point, rather than from God's viewpoint. Uh, sometimes we have a low view of, of God and, and his standards. See, to God, uh, who is perfect in every way, we are all contaminated. We're all stained. Now, we like to think that we're better than most people, and maybe you are, but God is perfect, and we're nowhere near perfect. We might be a little bit better than some people, but God is, is way off Uh, way off the scale. We're nowhere near up there. We're nowhere near perfect. We're hopelessly short. We all have a bit of the fool and a bit of the Egypt in us. We want to live our way. We live sometimes like God doesn't matter. So there's a fool in all of us. And that's a big problem because here's our third lesson from the psalm. God stands against fools. God stands against fools. This is verses four to six. Uh, Let's read them. Will evildoers never learn those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord, who don't worship God. So, they're against God's people and they're against God. Um, But there they are, these evildoers, overwhelmed with dread, with fear, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but God is their refuge." David seems to be remembering a time when uh, people from other nations maybe attacked God's people, attacked Israel, made them suffer. And these attackers are evildoers. They don't call on the, law, the Lord. They reject God. They don't worship Him, uh, and they also, um, they also reject God's people. And, and that's the way it is today as well, isn't it? People who say there's no God, they don't just feel sorry for us for wasting our Sunday mornings uh, in church or for uh, stopping from doing whatever we want, They don't feel sorry for us. They tease, and they laugh, and they joke, and they leave us out, and they argue with us, and they disagree, and they even try to stop people believing in God. Um, One of the first Russian, uh, I don't know why they don't call them astronauts, cosmonauts, uh, one of the first Russian cosmonauts who traveled up into space, he came back to earth and said that he had searched the heavens but had not found God," and he was very pleased with himself for uh, thinking this is a very clever thing to say, Uh, "...search the heavens," Uh, I'm not doing a Russian accent, "...but I would not found God." And I think someone since has suggested that if he had just taken his helmet off and stepped outside, he would have found God uh, quickly enough. But um, but he was mocking God's people. He was poking fun. (laughs) I didn't find any God up there poking fun, but in many cases, it's much worse than that. Sometimes people from other religions will attack each other and attack Christians. Sometimes governments try to shut down churches and take away Bibles and stop people from talking to their friends about Jesus. But even then, it's not God's people who need to be afraid, but the evildoers who need to fear. Verse 5, there they are, and we think, well, they're powerful and they're strong and they're scary but there they are, overwhelmed with dread. They're the ones who need to be afraid. Why? Because God is present in the company of the righteous. God is with His people. David again might be remembering a certain time when God fought for His people, but it's the enemies of God's people, the enemies of God Himself, who need to be afraid because there is a God after all, and He stands against fools. He stands against those who reject him and his people. I don't know if you've ever seen an ostrich burying its head in the sand. I don't know if they actually do that. They must do that. It must come from somewhere that we have this image. I've never seen that happen. But saying that there's no God or that God doesn't matter is a little bit like burying your head in the sand. It's a little bit like saying, you can't see me if I cover my eyes. Uh, Well, it's, it's not real, is it? Pretending that God isn't there or pretending that God doesn't matter doesn't change anything because God is there, and God does matter, and He stands against those who reject Him. That's why, uh, that's why they need to be afraid, overwhelmed with dread, because God is real. They can't change that. Wanting it to be true doesn't make it true. Listen to what uh, the Apostle Paul said as he preached uh, in Athens. He said, God commands all people everywhere to turn to Him because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man, by a judge whom He has appointed, and He's proved this by raising that man from the dead. So, I think we can guess who that is, can't we? Raising that man from the dead, that's got to be Jesus. He's fixed a day when He will judge the world through the Lord Jesus, um, and so He commands everyone to turn to Him. God stands against those who reject Him. That's real, uh, but, but hang on. God stands against fools, against everyone who rejects Him and ignores Him, but He's a refuge for His people, it says. But who are they? what people are we talking about? Because just a minute ago, didn't it say that God looked down and didn't find anyone good? Not even one? So, who are these people in the psalm who are God's people? How can we be God's people if there's a bit of a fool in all of us? Well, I think verse 7 helps us with that. So, here's our last lesson. God saves His people. God saves His people. Let me give you the, the lessons again. So, a fool thinks there's no God. There's a fool in all of us, that's a problem. God stands against fools. That's an even bigger problem, but God saves his people. God saves his people. Let's read verse 7. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. In David's psalm, as he remembers God helping his people against their enemies before verse 7 becomes a prayer that God would uh, do that forever that he would achieve a lasting victory that he would he would reign and rule forever. It's a prayer that says, "God, may your victory and your help in that other time of uh, verses 4 to 6 when we had that problem with those people, may that become a permanent thing, a permanent salvation. Would you uh, rescue us fully and forever? Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion." Zion, what's that? Sounds a bit like lion, but there's nothing to do with that. Uh, unless you think about the Lion of Judah. No, not really. It's nothing to do with that. Zion is the hill where the temple stood in Jerusalem. In fact, the word Zion is kind of used in the Bible to talk about the hill and to talk about the temple and to talk about the city of Jerusalem. It's kind of HQ of God's people. Uh, It's shorthand for for God being with His people. Um, David doesn't know it yet, but God will bring salvation out of Zion. God will bring salvation in Jerusalem uh, by being with His people, not just in the temple, but in Jesus, in God with us. That, this is how God will bring lasting salvation for His people, in Jesus. In his letter, uh, Peter points, uh, first, his first letter, Peter points us to an old saying from God's Word, and it goes like this. This is God speaking. It says, he says, "'See, I lay a stone in Zion.'" Uh, like the start of a building, a chosen and precious cornerstone, a really big stone at the bottom that's going to hold everything up. And the one who trusts in him in the stone will never be put to shame. I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, God isn't building a building, is he? That cornerstone is a person, the one who trusts in him. That's Jesus, isn't it? God is building the people of Jesus. So, Peter goes on uh, with words that we read earlier uh, just at the start of our time, you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. That's how there are people in Psalm 14 who can be called God's people, who can be called righteous There's no one good. No one has done what's right. No one's looked for God, but God called us out of darkness. He lifted our heads out of the sand. He he gently took our hands down from our eyes. Uh, He saved us through Jesus. Paul takes this psalm in Romans 3, and he says this, and we're almost finished, but Paul says this. He says, there is no one who does good, not even one. But now, a righteousness from God has been made known. So we're not right with Him on our own, but, but one a rightness with God has been made known that comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's goodness by God's standard way up there. But all are justified. We're called right by God. How? He says, freely by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus rescues us. He's the answer to the puzzle of of Psalm 14. He's the answer to the problem of how to be right with God when we've all lived as fools by pretending He wasn't there. God makes us right with Himself by sending Jesus to take our place. God saves His people. Uh, Look how that psalm finishes just as we finish ourselves Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. David didn't know uh, how God would achieve that lasting salvation, uh, but we know. And David's final instruction for God's people is to rejoice and be glad because of God's salvation. We, We might meet a lot of people who don't believe in God and who really, really, really don't want to talk about him with us. Uh, we probably don't want to call them fools. Uh, Maybe not at first anyway. Uh, But if we care for people, we will tell them that pretending there's no God uh, doesn't change what's real. God is God. He's the Lord. He's the King. He's the Creator. And He's the judge of every one of us. And so it is foolish and it is dangerous to pretend He doesn't matter. Not that we're smarter than other people, we need to remember that. We've all lived like fools. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's a fool in every one of us. We're not better than other people. It's just that we've been rescued through the Lord Jesus. We're not, uh, it's a bit like if you were in trouble in the water and you've been saved by, uh, by you know, one of those life rings or by a lifeguard. We're, we're not better swimmers. We've just been rescued. That's all. We've been saved and anyone else can be saved by him too. So let's, Uh, Let's rejoice and be glad, like it says, to belong to him, uh, even as we invite others to know him as well. Let's pray. Uh, Let's pray for his help to be glad and to invite others to know him as well. Father, we look at so many smart and successful people in this world, uh, and they look fantastic, and we want to be like them Uh, please help us to see people as you see us. Help us to see that it's foolish and dangerous and silly to to live like you aren't there or you don't matter. Help us to see that that really is true foolishness. And Father, we confess that there is a fool in each one of us. Uh, Not one of us here, not one person joining in from home, not one was good. Uh, Not as you see goodness, but you have brought salvation out of Zion, out of Jerusalem where Jesus came and died and rose again. Thank you that because of him we are your holy people. We are rescued from darkness to light to praise and enjoy you. Help us to rejoice and be glad for all you've done for us through Jesus. Uh, And we pray may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage our hearts and strengthen us in every good deed and word. Amen.